Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome everybody. Hey, Michael, first chat, first question in. What's going on? Pat Leonard from Orchard Park, New York, upstate New York, Giants, Bills, 14 to 9, a difficult loss for the Giants after playing the Bills tough and not surrendering a single point until the fourth quarter. Led six to nothing going into the fourth quarter. Josh Allen and the Bills scored two touchdowns, and Brian Dable's offense continues to fail to get into the end zone. They have not scored an offensive touchdown now in 13 quarters. So that's three games in the fourth quarter of their San Francisco game in week three. Uh, before we talk this game, I want to tell you about Bet Online. Football is back. Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to college football playoff and Super Bowl. Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today, today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And where I want to start actually is not the game, it's with this update on Daniel Jones from Melissa Stark of NBC. So, guys, please dump your questions into the queue. We will get to them quickly. But I want to go over this Daniel Jones injury news because Melissa Stark reported that Daniel Jones, who has talked, he's talked to us a couple times in, in the locker room, once after the game in Miami when he got hurt, and then again during the week in the Giants uh, locker room at their facility in East Rutherford, New Jersey, did not provide detailed information on his injury. But according to Melissa Stark from NBC, She said that she talked to Daniel Jones during pregame warm-ups, and he said he feels pain in the left side of his neck. He's having symptoms into his left shoulder. He said he can throw, but the concern was taking contact, getting hit in the game. He's been doing all sorts of rehab exercises, cupping, needling, laser treatments, and his goal is to play next week against the commanders. Let me just tell you, I'm not a doctor, but that sounds super involved and concerning It sounds like the kind of thing that if it were in his throwing shoulder, it would be a major concern, but because it's in the other shoulder, he feels like he can play through it and he feels optimistic. Uh, I know that listening to Brian Dable and the Giants and then listening to Daniel Jones last week, it sounded more like Jones was angling to play and pushing the envelope, but the Giants were being cautious based on whatever results they were receiving. And so even though Daniel's saying his goal is to play against Washington, I remain skeptical of whether or not that will definitely happen. Now, I hope I hope he gets back on the field soon. But I look at that and I just say to myself, hearing that it's going down into his shoulder, hearing that he still has pain in his neck, uh, those are things that I think concern me. And especially for a franchise quarterback you've invested so much in, there's no reason to rush back at that in that part of the body with that type of injury unless you feel absolutely certain. Uh, Let me get to the questions and the comments of the people who were kind enough to join at this late hour. Uh, I know you guys are up because you were up expecting really after the first half, a possible victory, of course, ends in a disappointing defeat. So Michael says, hi, Michael. Great. Great for you to be here. Please uh, throw some questions into the queue about what you think 
uh, of this game? And what do you want to know from the locker room and from Brian Dable? Uh, because I was down there, I was in the locker room talking to the players, talking to them about how they viewed this game, about how they viewed the end of the game, the end of the half, talking to Dable about losing here. Obviously, he coached here a long time and uh, accomplished a lot, helping develop Josh Allen, get the Bills to a place where they were contenders. And so I can tell you how it hit him, how it hit the team, and where they stand at one and five mentally right now. We can talk about the fight in the third quarter. Uh, you know, anything goes right now. And I just want to remind you of this. We are building a great community here on YouTube. At PL on NFL is the handle. Uh, we are talking Giants. We are doing it twice a week after games and midweek. If you haven't already, subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. Always hit those thumbs up, the like buttons as we're doing this. That helps drive engagement helps YouTube share it, spread it around to more people who can join in and jump into what we're doing here. Um, and also you can purchase super chats or super stickers. And that means you can pay money to have your chat and your question answered first. It gets jumped to the top of the line. We go right to you. And it's also a way to support what we're doing here. So those are just some of the things we're doing. As you know, if you haven't already subscribed to the Talking Ball with Pat Leonard podcast, that's on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get them. And we also post the video podcasts here. Okay, Joey B Comedy says, can we stick with Tyrod going forward? You know, I thought Tyrod showed a lot of uh, smart decisions tonight. I thought when he needed to get the ball out quickly, he did. And the Giants were pretty encouraged, like the players were pretty encouraged by how the offensive line held up in this game and battled uh, against the pass rush with, you know, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller popping in. You know, this was a game that a lot of people, including me, thought could be a bloodbath, especially because of that uh, mismatch up front. And I think the O-line did battle well, especially with Justin Pugh having to slide over the left tackle. You know, you remember I talked to him all summer like in August about when I did the podcast and did a story on him about when I come back, I'm playing left guard. I'm not coming back to play anywhere else. I'm coming back to play left guard. And then Josh Azudu, poor Josh Azudu gets hurt. And then suddenly Justin Pugh's playing left tackle. He couldn't even tell us the last time he played left tackle. He said, I think the last time he played right tackle was uh, 2016 I think for the giants. And so, um, that was when he was playing against Washington, he said, and that was a couple of nicknames ago, if you get my drift. Um, so I do think going back to Tyrod, I thought Tyrod helped the offensive line by how he got the ball out. I talked to Tyrod about how he played pretty well, and he said that the Bills play their zone defense, and anytime you see zone, he said it's important to get the ball out underneath and take what they give you. Now, he also throws a really pretty deep ball. You saw him and Darius Slayton connect. You saw him give Jalen Hyatt a chance there over the middle late in the game. Um, you know, there's a lot to like about Tyrod. I thought he was poised. He really is a poised veteran player. Now, do we see him next week? Here's what I would say. I'm not talking about replacing Daniel Jones permanently here. What I'm saying is Daniel Jones, given the, given the injury news that Melissa Stark updated us with on NBC – and given how Tyrod looked in this game, I would say, hey, err on the side of caution, hold Daniel out one more week possibly, and let Tyrod continue to play. Now, I think that's a fair argument. Now, we'll see how Daniel progresses. Maybe suddenly we talk to him on Wednesday and he's practicing and he feels 100% better and he says, I'm a go. But I don't take my goal is to play against Washington to mean I'm playing and I feel confident about it and it's going to happen. And I think, Joey, that 
given what Tyrod showed in this game, even though, of course, they didn't get into the end zone ultimately. They were down there on the goal line twice, um, and, of course, that reflects poorly on how they operated. He took the blame, by the way, for the end-of-half mistake. He checked to a run. He wasn't supposed to. Uh, I personally think also, though, and I'm not the only one, I don't think that if you guys were watching the game, Brian Dable's use of timeouts on that last drive like running the ball and using all of his timeouts and burning those up. So then when they got down to the goal line, he didn't have any timeouts left to even bail themselves out or have the option to run a certain play over another. So that was just mismanagement. And even though that is on the quarterback there for running that play and that run play and Tyrod took ownership of that, it does fall on the head coach and on the entire operation as well. Antonio, what's up? Antonio says tough on. Absolutely. That's what the players all said as well. That's what Brian Dable said. Shmuley says, hey, Shmuley, welcome back. This was so upsetting. Whose fall was the play before halftime? Yep, that was Tyrod. Um, he had the option of, you know, it's, it's like one of those plays where they send in a pass play and it does have an option for a quarterback to check. But in that situation, Brian Dable said it was communicated. No, don't take an option. Don't look for the possibility that you might have to check to a run based on the look. Run the pass play in this call. And Tyrod still checked to a run. Now, you could make the argument, listen, Saquon Barkley is the best offensive player on the team, and we should give him the ball, and we feel confident in that. Um, but, you know, obviously it was the wrong play, and Tyrod put it on him. But I also put it on Dable and the timeout management as well. Joey B says, how is Azudu mentally after being injured? Did not get a chance to talk to him. I don't even think I – I'm not sure if I saw him. He might have been in the training room um, or have – gotten out to the bus already by that time because he left the game so early. Uh, but I do think, to be honest, I, I wish he weren't hurt, but I do think a a mental break for Josh would be a good thing at this point. I think he's been put in a position that is difficult to succeed in. And I do think as a young player, he needs to reset and maybe this helps him do that. Joey says it was Tyrod and Dable. Yep. Okay. You're ahead of me there. Um, Shmuley says the refs got to go. Um, you know, Darren Waller actually didn't pin it on the refs at the end. I mean, listen, he drew a pass interference call that they called in the end zone. And then on the second one, listen, there was contact. But if you see the play, you know, Waller's kind of pulling on Taron Johnson's uh, jersey as as Johnson is, uh, you know, jousting with Waller. And um, I did not see, like, on the field watching it at the end, I did not see – um, I saw the Giants obviously looking for the flag, but I think after getting the first one and seeing contact both ways on that one, I think that play ended the way it should. You know, I, I don't know if a flag was warranted there, um, but I can see how you'd feel that way. It certainly wasn't no contact. Michael says, sounds like it could be a pinched nerve on Daniel. Yeah, that you know, and that's I, I can't diagnose him based on that, but it definitely doesn't sound like nothing, right? Like he had MRIs on his neck. And he even told us like it wasn't like, or at least it seemed like he was saying something showed up on it, but he didn't feel like he was too concerned. He certainly didn't think it was like the season ending one that shut him down in 2021. So that was encouraging. But, you know, you hear that it's that it's leaking into his shoulder, that he's starting to feel sensations and symptoms in his shoulder, in his left shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder. But that's that's concerning. Shmuley says, how did Saquon look overall? I thought he looked like a guy who was still kind of dealing with that ankle, especially early. Uh, but we both, we both saw 
his two runs for a total of 53 yards there in the fourth quarter to set up Graham Gano's third field goal. And asking Saquon about it, he said he felt like he was knocking off some rust early on in the game. And, you know, we've talked to him about this before as well. When he comes back from injuries, it's this idea of he makes such hard cuts and such unique ability of like twisting his body, contorting his body, you know, planning his foot. And, um, you know, for lack of a better term, he looks like kind of a video game character sometimes when you're using the joystick, you know, the, um, like strafing right and left. And Saquon needs the confidence in his body in order to play at his highest level. Any athlete does, but you can see it like in the first quarter, in the first half, you could see him planting and kind of slipping and falling and not having the burst out of his first couple steps or that first cut. And by the second half, though, it seemed like when he was getting the ball, you saw more of that. I think he's clearly well below 100%. I also think Waller is well below 100%. I thought the groin that he was limited with during the week seemed to me like he was not running anywhere close uh, to his full sprint. But, um, you know, trying to gut it out. And, um, you know, I think Saquon overall, it was nice having him in the lineup. It does give the defense somebody they have to key on. Then again, until that fourth quarter drive, the Giants really struggled to gain anything on the ground. And it wasn't just blocking, I didn't think. I thought it was, I thought Breda honestly was giving them more consistently good yards in the run game than Saquon was in the early part of the game until that last stretch where Saquon kind of burst out for those couple runs. So, um, you know, still still more to, to be seen from 26. I will say this, you know, I think it was uh, – I think it was clearly – this was clearly a situation where he could have waited another week, but he came back to try to help the team win this game. So, you know, I give uh, Saquon, you know, kudos to that. Uh, let's see. Antonio says, do you think we sign Leo Collins any day at this point with the amount of injuries at that spot? Well, I think, um, and remember guys, if I'm, if I'm slow to your question, if you need it answered right away, if it's late, you want to go to bed, you can always super chat, you know, pay a few, pay a few bucks or whatever it is and have your chat, uh, your comment elevated to the top of the section, no pressure, but it does kind of liven it up, spice it up. Uh, it's a fun feature we have here, and we're going to have more stuff coming like that in the future. Um, but let me get back to Antonio's question on Leo Collins. Antonio, I, I asked Dable about Leo Collins, and from what I can seem to gather, the fact that the Jets and the Giants let him out of the building, I'm not sure if he's healthy enough to play football yet. Um, I know that the Bengals are a team that would never release an offensive lineman like they released Leo Collins off their practice squad Um pup list at the start of the season like if they felt he was going to be healthy anytime soon I mean that's just not a player you release off a team where you have Joe Burrow and you need to protect him and you need offensive linemen so that should tell you about where where Lael Collins is coming off the ACL last year and how confident teams are in his ability to play Uh, now obviously we're later down the road than the beginning of the year than when he got cut but it's only been about a, a month and a half if that And um, will they sign him and try to acclimate him and work him in like they have with a guy like Justin Pugh? Um, You know, that's possible, especially maybe not now, but a couple weeks from now, whatever it is. Um, Certainly that's possible, but, you know, that's going to cost you as well. It's going to cost you some money. I'm sure Leo Collins isn't going to sign for nothing. Um, I don't, I'm not in his head. I don't know what he wants financially, uh, but the Giants money's not growing on trees for them right now. I mean, they had some cap space in the off season to spend a little bit, but they 
already done restructures to a couple of the contract extensions they did in the summer. And so something to consider like Justin Pugh right now is basically playing on, you know, the vet minimum uh, as a practice squad player. Right. And so maybe if he gets signed to the active roster, uh, they end up uh, giving him a different kind of deal. But at the moment, um, Leo Collins, it's just hard to imagine that he's going to get, you know, be able to get a huge amount of money from the giants, although they do have the need at that position, but I'm going to keep you updated on that uh, because that's something definitely to follow as he remains a free agent. How many years till we're good says Jacob, Jacob, that's a great question. I think that there's going to be turnover in this year's staff, regardless when we get to the end of the season. Now, I think the feedback I get from a lot of the fan base is that regardless of how this season goes, they feel like the GM and the coach should stay uh, but even if the GM and head coach should stay, you know, should stay or and do stay, no matter how bad the record gets or whatever it is, I still think you're going to see um, turnover here. I don't know how much continuity there will be even in the roster unless some of these young players get better. You need these young players to get better and become foundational pieces. One thing I loved seeing tonight was Jalen Hyatt taking a hit in that last drive over the middle, holding onto the ball, making the play. Like those are the kind of things you can build on. His catch on the sideline that came back when Evan Neal got called for that penalty, um, that actually on the broadcast, they said it shouldn't have been called for the illegal man downfield. That was a great toe drag by Jalen Hyatt. Great catch, great throw by Tyrod Taylor. Some things to build on there with Jalen Hyatt for sure. But Jacob, when when are the Giants going to be good again? you know, I talked to Leonard Williams in the locker room. He said he's going to talk a lot to the young players about how he doesn't feel like this season is anywhere close to over and they shouldn't either because they haven't played any division games yet outside the Cowboys game. And he feels like, yes, it's not like these games don't count, but he feels like they can still win the division by taking care of business late in the year. And so that's what they're building towards. Um, do I think they're going to be good anytime soon? I think you look at the quarterback position and that will tell you that answer. And right now I think that's still a question mark. And so um, when will they get back to the playoffs? Um, you know, it's hard for me to say definitively. Now I will say, I do feel like they're closer to retooling and reshaping and being in a long-term process again, than being a team that's competing for a playoff spot every year. I feel like last year was more the anomaly than, than what we're seeing now. Um, that said, coming out of this game, I feel great about Bobby Okereke, about, you know, uh, the defense, about how much fight this team has. Um, you know, this, there was a lot of fight in this team tonight here in Orchard Park. I think that was promising. Joey says, do you think we start selling contracts and getting draft assets? One in five is hard to climb back from. So I think the results in these next two games are going to tell you everything. Um, especially this next game as far as the trade deadline goes. Because if you beat Washington, it's a division win. And now you have two wins. You're going into a Jets game that would be a difficult one. And the Jets game is, I believe, right on the heels of that trade deadline, right? Like it's like the day before the trade deadline. Let Let me double check that really quickly. But bottom line is, Halloween, the 31st, is the NFL trade deadline. So you have the Commanders on the 22nd and the Jets on the 29th. And so then two days later is the NFL trade deadline. 
And so if you lose the commander's game, you fall to one and six and zero oh and two in the division. I think that's sell, sell, sell time. Um, but if you beat the commanders and, you know, your offense is scoring touchdowns and you're seeing your team build on this hard fought loss in Buffalo, as opposed to slipping off of it, you know, um, then that's a different story. Um, you know, would it be a fool's errand to believe that this team could still compete this year just because they beat Washington? Maybe. Um, but, you know, there's plenty of veterans on this team and they put money into this team. So there's some strange personnel decisions sometimes that make you say this looks like they're planning for the future. But then you look at all the money they spend on some of these guys and um, veterans contract resignings and, you know, free agent signings. And you realize that a lot of these players that like they, they want to win now, you know, that Bobby O'Karake, you watch him on the field in this game. This guy wants to win now, you know. None, none of this next year talk. Let's see. Shmuley says probably a thousand years. Oh, Shmuley's down in the dumps. Joey says, Pat, you know, I'm like your number one fan. <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. I really love what we're doing here, too. I hope you guys like what I'm doing. And um, if you have any suggestions about what more you'd like from these chats or other types of offerings or content that you like to consume that maybe I'm not doing here, but you've seen somewhere else and you, and you really enjoy throw those ideas out as well. Um, right now I just have it. My mind is full of all this stuff. I talked to these guys about the locker room. I want to bring it to you. Reminder, subscribe. If you don't already to our page, hit the like button, hit the thumbs up button right now, please. It helps YouTube kind of alert everybody else that this is going on, kind of shares it out there into the world brings more Giants fans awareness of what we're doing here on the Talking Ball podcast with Pat Leonard on the Daily News website and on here in our community at YouTube at PL on NFL doing all these Giants live chats. I really enjoy doing them and I uh, and I love all the questions you guys bring kind of jogs my mind, my memory and uh, gets me thinking about story ideas, questions to ask the fellas and uh, ways to cover the team and bring you the best content I can. All right, let's see. Jim says, hey, Jim, how did Dable explain the lack of clock management just before halftime? Yeah, uh, basically, Tyrod checked to a run, wasn't supposed to, had the option in that play call to do it, but it was communicated to him not to do it. Uh, but he did anyway based on the look. So he put it 100% on him. Um, Dable really didn't go into why he used all his timeouts on run plays during that drive where he could have just tried to throw the ball earlier and, or sa and save timeouts, and he didn't. Uh, but I thought that was a contributing factor as well. Uh, definitely a killer mistake. Antonio says, was Azudu the only real injury tonight? I know Flott and Adori both got nicked up, but they both can go back into the game. Yeah, they both came back into the game. So did Dane Belton. Um, you know, he kind of took a shot. Friendly fire from Xavier McKinney. Um, who else? McKeithen and Neil both were slow to get up at one point, but stayed in the game. A lot of guys battled in this game. Uh, a lot of guys battled. I think Micah McFadden, also his foot is bothering him, but he kind of fought through that as well. So McFadden was also another guy who kind of came off the field and went back in. A lot of that tonight. A lot of guys kind of fighting through things. I mean, the Giants played a lot of players tonight because they're so injured. There were a lot of players who played tonight who I think would have sat out a lot of other games, but they need bodies and they need guys to be on the field. So they played anyway. 
it was really a really a gutty uh, gutty game by the Giants and really difficult for them that they didn't win because they really did put a lot into it. Um, Doug says, "Hey Doug, what's going on? Was there any update on Damian Harris after the game? Um, only what you saw, I think, and what we heard during the game, which was uh, movement in his extremities, arms, legs, and that he was getting further testing. I know Bobby Okereke and uh, you know the Giants were you know really." Uh, upset about that and hoping that hoping for the best with Damian Harris, hoping he would be okay. And Okereke obviously put the hit on him, wasn't dirty or anything. was just kind of, you know, met him in the hole. And uh, next thing you know, Harris is down, Um, but sounded promising based on what we saw on the field um, after afterwards, but keep you guys updated there. Shmuley says, loved Wandale and Hyatt getting involved. And what about Campbell returning? Well, they, they had Paris on the field for a kickoff late. I thought he showed some juice there. Um, you know, clearly Joe Shane and Brian Dable are in the position where if they have a guy like Wandale and Campbell, who were both early on in, you know, previous weeks, like catching the ball short and not making much of it afterwards, they're going to play the young guy over the older guy if they're if both players are kind of doing the same thing, have the same shortcoming, whatever. Wandale being their second round pick that they're really trying to um, acclimate into this offense and turn into a real weapon. Um, Wandale did have eight catches in this game, only for 62 yards, um, but, you know, was helping them move the ball, especially against the Buffalo Bills zone, was really catching some of those balls that Tyrod was talking about, like taking advantage underneath against the, uh, the zone. And yeah, no, I love, I talked about Hyatt earlier, but I really loved him taking that hit over the middle late to make the play, making that catch on the sideline that ended up coming back due to that penalty on Evan Neal. So, um, you know, when you see promising things from these young players, those are the encouraging moments, the most encouraging moments. You want the results to obviously back it up too. Uh, Antonio says, has anyone talked to John Michael Schmitz about his injury? Not yet, but uh, that will be on deck this week. We'll talk to him this week. Paul Falco uh, says, hey, Paul, O-line was leaps better tonight than past weeks. What do you attribute that to? I thought they um, – I, th- I think Justin Pugh is a helpful veteran who is kind of instilling some confidence and uh, helping them gel a little bit. Um, you know, not that they don't have other guys like that. Like, I think Ben Bredesen's that kind of guy too. Uh, but, I, you know, even just the idea that Pugh came in to play left guard and then before you know it, he's playing left tackle for them and – after, you know, some growing pains early in the game, did it, you know, capably for the rest of the night. I think just setting that example, you know, that's not talking about anything. He's just setting a good example of, hey, listen, man, they they called my number. I, I answered the bell. And next thing you know, um, you know, I'm helping us kind of, uh, you know, be competent and move the ball, even though I wasn't even supposed to be in this position. And as Justin Pugh said in his intro, you know, right off the couch, uh, you know, so <laughs> – <laughs> that was a that was a great intro on NBC from Justin Pugh. But yeah, Tyrod got the ball out pretty quickly too, I thought. Um, not all the time, but I think he was getting the ball out pretty quickly and throwing it underneath, giving guys some catch and run opportunities and making sure he was just taking, you know, four or five or six yards here and there instead of holding on to it too long. He did take shots, but Tyrod did not take downfield shots that were unwise and he did not hold the ball too long. Uh, to put his line in harm's way. So I think it was a good mix of both the quarterback and the line. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Shmuley says O-line play decent. Yep. 
So Tyrod doing well behind the O-line means what exactly in regards to Jones, says John. Is play calling to blame? Why won't Jones throw the deep ball like number two? Hard to evaluate what we have so far. Um, you know, Daniel does throw the ball downfield. Um, I, it's possible he's not trusting it and ripping it as much as he has in his best moments. I mean, that's the certainly the way it looks and the way he has talked. I think his, the early hits he took um, – and the, all the constant pressure he was under was contributing to that. But I definitely think um, there's no other way to, to call it is, you know, I said this right in, in my lead to my game preview for this game. First thing I wrote was Tyrod Taylor exudes poise. And I think that is definitively the way to describe the way Tyrod makes an offense feel. And that doesn't mean he's not going to make mistakes. I mean, he, he can make mistakes just like anybody else. But Tyrod has this demeanor and calm, steady attitude about him that I do think bleeds into the way the team plays. Now, that said, they didn't score a touchdown in the game, right? They lose 14-9. The defense plays out of their minds for most of the night, and they still lose. So, you know, all of that said, they still didn't – produce right now that's you know i i put all that out there to say i think your question is one that the giants need to look at very closely okay you know we're hitting these plays with tyrod can we hit those with daniel if we haven't hit those with daniel in certain moments why haven't we right and the way i see it is sometimes it's been the line and sometimes it's been daniel right more often the line, but also Daniel as well can play better. Um, he's the guy you paid to be your starting quarterback, your franchise quarterback. He's the young player that is still you paid to be ascending. He's the guy that you're committed to, right? So you look at that and you say, well, as much as Tyrod looks like one thing, Daniel Jones is the starting quarterback, right? Um, but it'll be interesting to see based on his injury, based on maybe being smart about it, and based on Tyrod looking so encouraging, you know, how long can you stretch this out? How much longer does Tyrod play? And as we talked about earlier with the Washington game being so pivotal for maybe decisions about where the season is going, what to do with the team and all those sorts of things, you know, what does that mean for the decision about who you play at QB? Um, you know, your question raises more questions, John, and I think it's an excellent one. The Bills stunk, says Sunshine. All right. Sunshine, you a Bills fan? <laughs> you know what was crazy, though? And that, that Josh Allen throw was real dangerous on that go-ahead touchdown. That was a really dangerous throw in the traffic, but also um, a really strong one, an accurate one to Quentin Morris. So I heard, I heard um, one of the Bills reporters say that that was Quentin Morris's first catch of the season and maybe even his first target. Uh, Joey B comedy says, Pat, what do you think management and the vibe is around the team now at one and five? Mantra is always no tanking with Giants brass, but now would be a time to decide what helps us long-term, no? Yeah, I think whether they win in Washington or not will dictate, or against Washington will dictate a lot. You know, the team we saw on the field in this game was not the team we saw on the field against the Seahawks. Um, it wasn't the team we saw on the field against the Cowboys, right? Uh, they definitely fought hard here. When I have written in the past in recent weeks of 
Brian Dable losing his grip on the team. I mean, the defense tonight played like a defense on a team that, you know, they're bought in, they're playing hard, they're, you know, standing up for each other. I mean, that you know, you love all that. And the, the offensive linemen are battling. I think they're this team's full of a lot of good guys, hardworking guys. But to answer your question, the vibe around the team is that, listen, they're telling themselves and preaching that it's still early. But there needs to be urgency, as Bobby Okereke said, going into this game. And I think they know, regardless of what they're saying publicly, that, you know, it's time to win games or else anything is on the table. Like when I talked to Saquon Barkley last week about him and other people coming up in trade rumors and conversations and that kind of thing that people are saying, well, if there's a fire sale, here's who would get traded. And Saquon said, I totally get it. And he said, we need to turn this around. We need to get some mojo and we need to start winning games or else something like that might be on the table down the road because that's just what happens when you lose in the NFL. So I think that's the, that's the mood right now is, we don't want that to happen. We don't think that's going to happen. We don't believe it's going to get to that point, but we need to start winning games and no moral victories. You know, Leonard Williams said that flat out. I don't believe in moral victories. There's no such thing to me. Let's go next. Says Shmuley. <laughs> Are you projecting any specific coaching fires? Says Doug. Um, I just think there's going to be, you know, I think Mike Kafka is a guy who's been in the job market. Um, you know, I thought he was close to being gone last year. I think there's a good chance he's not the offensive coordinator here next year. Um, you know, Thomas McGahey, it would be surprising to me if he were back next year as well. I'm not I'm not saying he's getting blasted out of the building tomorrow. I'm just saying, like, you're asking me about after this year, what kind of turnover do I see? Um, and who knows? I mean, you know, the, the way that uh, – Brian Dable is running this program. The new types of players are going to continue bringing in on both offense and defensive sides of the ball. Um, how does that vibe with the defense they're running now? How does that vibe with their offense they're running now? What does that mean for who Dable's going to have on his staff? And yada, you know, all that stuff. Um, I just think it's going to be a total reevaluation of this program if this program remains in place. And I think it's going to have to be. And when I when I couch all when I say those things about high turnover and I say how bad it's going to get, it's going to keep getting worse and those kind of things like fans don't understand. You know, when I write that John Maher and Steve Tisch need to talk now, I'm not saying everybody needs to get fired. What I'm saying, though, is this could get quicker to a three win season than people realize. You know, it's it, it, this didn't look like a three win team on the field against the Bills. I'll tell you that. Right. Especially a three win defense. But if they can't put an offense on the field that can score touchdowns, they're not going to win any games. And that's just the reality. That's for anybody. Like you play Washington, you play the Jets coming up, these next two teams. The Giants can stand up to those teams in a lot of ways. But the way they can't is at least what we understand is blocking their defensive fronts and scoring touchdowns against their defenses. Now, Washington will give up touchdowns. They should at least. But we know their pass rush. We know their D-line. Um, and the Jets, I mean, the Jets just beat the Eagles and terrorized the Eagles offense. So, you know, if they can't get the line together, 
then that's how the season can spiral under control. And that's how changes you wouldn't normally expect to be made get made. That's how it happens. That's how it spirals. I hope it doesn't happen that way, but you know, that's kind of where that goes. Antonio says they should just try to get a late round pick back for Paris Campbell. He is phased out of the offense and replace him with Cole Beasley. Well, he hasn't produced and now they have him out of the lineup. So one thing I do think you should remember, uh, Antonio, is <laughs> always remember, like, you know, it's easy to overvalue your own guys. So like when I remember the other uh, last week, somebody suggested getting a second and a third in a trade for Saquon or whatever. And, you know, these are valuable draft assets that people are talking about acquiring for a guy who's on a contract year, who's up there in age and running backs compared to like guys on their rookie contracts. And, um, you know, you're just not getting that type of draft capital back. There's players who've been traded in the last couple of weeks who can help teams. And it's like the player and a seventh round pick go to the other team for a sixth or, you know, it's a seventh and a sixth gets swapped and the player gets traded. Like that's what's happening in the league right now. And so Paris Campbell wasn't creating after the catch (coughs) really I don't know how much of a chance he had to create after the catch and on a lot of his receptions in the early weeks. Um, but he, you know, his production hasn't happened. And so now he's been phased out of the offense, at least in this game in the last couple of weeks, a little bit. And so are you really going to get something back for that player? Um, hard to imagine. I mean, you know, maybe somebody sees him as a better fit for them, but, uh, you know, you have to remember what value the player is creating and then how that's going to translate. Jake says, just joined. What are the players thinking when you spoke to some in the locker room? Yeah, so um, Waller says we're fiending for touchdowns. He didn't blame himself, or he said he has to make the play on the last play of the game, contact or whatever. You know, he's not using that as an excuse. Um, The players pretty much to a man said, we have to start winning games. Like, you know, we do. they did recognize they played well and played hard, but they don't you know, that's where it ends because they know they just have to start getting results and winning games or else. Um, Darius Slayton, I thought was really um, interesting and measured and intelligent talking about the game. He always is. Um, he said like he, he thought the offensive line fought their asses off. They've taken a lot of heat publicly from us, from the media. And he felt like they really battled and played really well. Um, you know, it, he said the the loss really hurt. Like this this loss really hurt this Giants team. They really felt like, um, you know, devastated by it. Um, you could see Slayton was really kind of gut punched about you know by it. And Saquon said like you have to take those things one of two ways. You can either take it as a gut punch and let it knock you out, or you can use it as fuel to to fix it. Um, Bobby Okereke acknowledged he's feeling really good, playing really well, feels great. But he did say, you know, he missed some run fits. He made some wrong decisions uh, during some of those late Bills drives. Um, you know, they do feel like they can turn the corner and start getting wins. Uh, but, you know, I think the the fight at the end of the third quarter, like all those guys were talking about standing up for each other. And that's what a good defense does. That's what a good team does. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, Leonard Williams said um, – they got to start playing complimentary football. They got to start, you know, picking each other up. Everybody's got to start doing their part. Um, you know, the season's not over. They do have division games that they can win to get back in this and 
try to win their division in that way. Uh, but you know, they got to, they got to start winning games and he doesn't believe in moral victories and pretty much to a man. That's what the guys said. Uh, Michael says, do you think if we had a solid number three wide receiver, there would be more chemistry at the quarterback position? Um, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, listen, that they are still lacking that true, like, you know, top, like whatever, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams. I mean, you, you know, use the name, that guy, Waller was acquired to kind of be that guy along with complimenting, you know, Slayton. They want Wandale to keep, keep blossoming, um, you know, uh, Hodgins factors in, but he's been on the field, but not producing as much. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, I thought showed a lot here, but yeah, they still need more weapons. There's no question about it. I mean, even after all these years, like ever since trading Odell Beckham Jr., it's been Saquon Barkley and then other guys who compliment him. Right. But no one who strikes fear, um, necessarily into a defense where they have to plan their defense around stopping that guy. So is it third wide receiver or is it just better weapons where you're really forcing defenses into making a decision that, Oh, we're going to have to commit to stop this guy. But now that means we're going to leave him open, right? You got to, you have to have enough weapons on the field where there's no right decision. And they feel like, um, you know, no matter where they stick the, their fingers in the hole to plug that one here. Cause the water starts shooting out over here, right? That's what you want. Uh, let's see <laughs> any animosity toward the refs in the locker room says Jake, in my opinion, two huge calls calling back the big play by Hyatt for Neil's flag. And uh, the last play, the hold on Waller. No, they weren't really too upset about the hold on Waller. Uh, I th- it seemed like Dable thought that was a penalty, but he wasn't going to say anything. I mean, they did just get the call before that. I did not get anybody to, you know, nobody or not get anybody to, but nobody was venting about the Evan Neal Hyatt play. But I think the consensus is that was just the wrong call. But no one was uh, whining about the refs as the reason they lost. A says, I've heard many stories that there were some growing animosity between Dable and McDermott upon his departure from Buffalo. Any truth to that? And what impact do you think that would have had tonight? Well, I thought if the Bills had blown the Giants out, it might result in running up the score from McDermott's side. Yeah, basically, you know, from what I understand, there were some butting of heads there about how Dable was calling his offense. Uh, McDermott's a guy who, as you saw, you know, Leslie Frazier ends up kind of getting pushed out and McDermott takes over the defense. So um, as, at least as I understand it, there was some back and forth about how he was calling things, whether he was running the ball enough, that kind of thing. And um, it manifested itself in some frustrations down the stretch of their of Dable's tenure here, where at least my understanding was when Dable did his head coaching interviews and ended up getting the Giants job, that year he was leaving Buffalo, whether he got a head coaching job or not, whether it was a lateral move to be an offensive coordinator somewhere um, that at that moment it was done and he was leaving Buffalo one way or another. And so that, that was my understanding of what happened there and where that stood. And so that is a very real thing. Um, Joey says, if the Giants are sellers at the deadline, who do you think are prime candidates? You think they would move Big Cat? And what do you think would be fair returns for the players you think would leave? Um, 
based on their contracts, and I'm not saying they're definitely trading any of these guys, but based on their contracts or their standing, whatever, like Saquon Barkley, Leonard Williams, Xavier McKinney, Adoree Jackson, like these are guys that would come up in those conversations, expiring contracts or a lot of money on their contract that you're offloading as well. Players who can also help another team or a contender that gets acquired. Um, you know, there, it would all be discount prices. I mean, Leonard Williams a team would be taking on the rest of his salary for this year. Um, you know, so you'd essentially be offloading that and getting some late round. I, I would say you're probably getting late round capital for a lot of them. Here we go. Jake, Jake with a $5 super chat sticker. I appreciate you. He says, thanks for doing this, Pat. I really appreciate you, Jake, man. I love when we get the super chat, super stickers going. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, like this is this is what we're doing, man. This is what we're growing. Um, it reminds me to just say again, hit subscribe on the page if you haven't already. Hit the like button if you didn't already. We do these after every game and also midweek. I've taken to doing them at halftime of uh, of the Thursday night football games. I feel like that's a good time as people are watching football, thinking football, talking football. And um, it seems like a good time for us to always download. But yeah, this is awesome. Jake, really appreciate you. That's Jake Larden coming in at $4.99, my man. All right. So where was I? Oh, on the prices, Joey B asked about on the trade deadline. So the prices, you know, think late round picks. That's what I would say. Think late round picks. And then those are picks that you can either use on players or use in trades up to try and go get guys in earlier rounds, you know, kind of throwing them in as uh, sweeteners when you're making those trades up. Let's see. Who do you think would win the patch giants game? If it was played next week, Woof says a <laughs> man, I'll tell you what, whenever I think the giants are bad, I turn on the Patriots highlights. That's what I would say. They are awful. Mac Jones stinks. I mean, he's just Mac Jones is just not it. He's not it. I'm telling you, he's not it. There's a, this, there's a real chance Bill Belichick could not be the Patriots head coach next year. There really is. That's, that's what I think. I definitely think that, but uh, obviously a long way to go, <laughs> but based on what they look like, holy cow, they are terrible. That game, that game is certainly not going to be a barn burner when it gets played later this season. John F says, thanks for a great answer. My last question I'll follow up with, do you think they've misevaluated certain pieces, specifically Neil and a couple others? This hurts so much more than last year's success. Um, so far, Evan Neal has struggled to live up to his, yeah, his draft status. Um, as I reported today, he's been dealing with a pretty bad ankle sprain that he's been playing with since the San Francisco game, but that's no excuse, obviously. And he doesn't use it as one. The Giants don't use it as one. Um, yeah, listen, I, to answer your question, I think that Joe Sheen's drafts, it's still a wait and see on how they work out. And you look at their like free agency signings, right? Okereke, love what he's turning into. But um, Mark Lewinsky, right? Uh, now he played in this game, fought hard, but – you know, you, when they didn't have much money last year, it was Tyrod and Glowinski who got that money. And Tyrod, you obviously saw some good things in this game. You saw why people respect him, why the Giants felt like he could give them a security blanket as a backup. Uh, but Glowinski, you know, and, and even Waller right now, 
it's tough because he's a really good player, but the Giants aren't getting in the end zone. And is that his fault? Well, no, not necessarily. But did he drop a touchdown in Miami? Yes. Did he fail to get in the end zone for one reason or another at the end of the game today? Yes. Right? Like this is just, you know, your question was, have they misevaluated pieces? I think that the investments they've made it's too early to say they've worked out. And I think that that was what people were saying coming out of the first season was like, everything went right. You know, like one of, uh, one of my great followers over on Instagram, Jeff was saying today that uh, Dable had a basically flawless first year uh, with the giants. And I feel like that is so, you know, that's not a good way of looking at it. I know I understand why a fan feels that way. And especially compared to what the giants have been in all these years, but um, there were some underlying issues last season that the Giants overcame or won in spite of or that were discussed as much because the team was winning the close games instead of losing them. And now you're seeing a lot of those same things rear their head and get talked about more as the team loses or flounders or whatever the case may be. I just feel like, you know, the evaluations that they have made still have to pan out. Um you know, that their offensive line that has struggled so badly this year and been essentially one of the worst that I've, it's definitely the worst I've seen uh, prior to tonight. I mean, Josh Azudu, Marcus McKeithen, uh, Glowinski, you know, Neil, like these guys are all Joe Shane additions, right? And so how can you say uh, that they haven't misevaluated pieces when we list all of that out there? Um, so that's how I feel about that. Let's see. Um, John also says perhaps they haven't misevaluated. They're just slower in development compared to a guy like Andrew Thomas. Well, Thomas was kind of slow in development too. He had the ankle. He had a couple surgeries. And then once he got healthy, he turned into the player. Jake says this year we paid chunks of money to Campbell, Shepard, Slayton, Beasley. Why not just spend that on a true number one? What's your take on that? Depth is greater than positional advantage. Yeah, Jake, I think – you're kind of getting at, I guess I talked around it earlier, but yes, I agree with you. I think getting the number one is what you want. It's not paying five guys to kind of mix and match and do the job when really what you want is somebody who is unguardable, right? Poke Damon says, big fan pack, keep going. Yeah, another super chat, another super sticker. My man, appreciate you in for two. Love it, love it. So back to Jake's question about the true number one. Yeah. And like, listen, Joe Shane, you know, if you talk to Joe Shane this off season, he really wanted that number one receiver. The problem was there wasn't one in the draft. There wasn't a stud, you know, there wasn't a, Oh yeah, of course you're drafting Jamar chase fourth overall, whatever. Like there wasn't that player at wide receiver and there wasn't that player in free agency. And so that's where the Darren Waller trade came about. So I think when they needed that true number one ride receiver and they wanted to go get him, it wasn't the off season to make it happen. And so they, this was their answer to that. Um, but obviously I think what you're saying is absolutely right. And listen, you know, there's the age old discussion of like, there's plenty of teams who win, who don't have that true star receiver, but what you're talking about, what I'm talking about, what we're all talking about when we mention a, a better re receiving core and skill group is a wide receiver who stretches the defense, forces double teams in certain situations, makes teams uh, 
pay more attention in the red zone, slide their coverage, that kind of thing. A receiver who forces the defensive coordinator on the other end to adjust their game plan to him and not be able to just focus on your running back, who is your best weapon. Um, you know, so <coughs> that's the kind of player we're talking about. And so when you look at the draft next year and Joe Shane, of course, this is another interesting thing we have to talk about, but um, we, wow, we've been doing this for 50 minutes. This has been going great. So yeah, Joe Shane scouting um, Notre Dame and Caleb Williams, USC and seeing uh, JJ McCarthy at Michigan, but there's also the left tackle Notre Dame, Joe Alt, but there's also, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio state. And these are all the decisions they're going to have to make going into next year's draft of where are they, right? Do, do they, benefit more from adding another tackle and trying to stack their depth on the offensive line? Or would you rather get, like, if you can't get, if you're not drafting the quarterback, would you rather get Harrison jr. Over the, over the offensive lineman, or does that receiver not matter that you're acquiring if you don't have the guys to protect your quarterback, which is really where the giants um, are struggling the most right now is up front. But Jake, I think the question you just asked you know, it's the quarterback is the question right now in the offensive line, but it's also keeping keeping in mind enough of signing, you know, five B minuses or Bs when what we need is one A, right? For sure. Doug says, is anything specific Okereke has said about his play improving? I believe the coaches have said he's really found his groove. Was it just learning his spot on the defense? Yeah, he said that he's grown to trust where people are going to be, what certain guys are going to be able to do, and then – how he fits into where it is. And he's just, he's playing unencumbered and fast. Like I literally, <laughs> you don't see this all the time, but I literally looked at Bobby after the game and I said, you're playing about as confidently like as, as you can right now, aren't you? And he said, Oh, oh absolutely. Like, <laughs> like without a doubt, like he is, he is feeling it. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like a, like when a three point shooter can't miss is the, is the way he looks. But like I, like I said, he took blame for some mistakes and not being able to hold the bills at the end. Um, and so he does have to improve, but he essentially said, yeah, it's the playbook and it's working off of guys in the defense. And it's, um, he is a confident guy by nature who believes in himself. And I think you're just seeing that come out in his speed on the field. Uh, Joey says, I dozed off, missed your answer. <laughs> Hey, it's it's late. That tells me I got to become more interesting uh, in our next chat. I'll be at home next weekend. Then I get a show before the Jets game on the 28th. Come see me do my thing, Pat. Oh, yeah. Joey, Joey B does his comedy thing. Everybody go check him out. He's on uh, he's on Instagram. Um, great Giants fan, diehard Giants fan and a huge supporter of what I do. Really appreciate you, Joey. Uh, Michael says, do you see in any way Waller isn't on this team next year? Ooh. Um, guess so. Um, let me see. What is his what is his contract? Didn't they didn't they adjust it a little bit to try to kind of make him a part of the program past this year and not just, you know. So three three year. Okay. Well, next year, even if they like cut him, they're still eating seven million. So I don't know. I don't think that's the. I don't. That's certainly not the preference there. 
Um, I think what they would ideally love is for him to continue to help grow. He is a captain now, um, you know, help. What they did is acquired him to help Daniel Jones grow and their offense grow. So I don't think that would be their preference, but certainly this hasn't gone the way they wanted it to with him through the first six games. Uh, is Okereke giving up signs of the best off-ball linebacker play since Antonio Pierce? Yeah, he's he's playing with a like a man on fire, man. He is he is just dominant. I mean, dominant. Um, develop Hyatt and get Lyman, says Peter. Peter, that's a good note to end on. We've been going for fifty-five minutes. That felt like five minutes. This has been awesome, guys. Remember. Subscribe. We are sponsored by Bet Online. We're also sponsored by Estate 98. It's an Essencia Day Cafe. Uh, essentially, um, you can make it instant coffee, iced coffee, hot coffee, whatever it is. It takes three seconds. You take a tablespoon, put it in the cup with some water, either heat it or throw some ice in there, stir it up. It's delicious. I drink it all the time when I'm doing my podcast at home. Um, this has been phenomenal. I love doing these. If you missed what we did earlier in the episode, if you want to hear more, uh, I'm going to download the audio and put it on my podcast feed, the Talking Ball with Pat Leonard podcast. You can download there. Uh, Joey says, finishes on, do you think the offensive line tonight will be the line until people return from injuries? Does Pugh go from the couch to starting left tackle? I know his preference is to play left guard, but if he has to play left tackle, he will. Um, let's see. Doug says, thanks, Pat. Safe travels home. Appreciate it. Is there any way we can get Quinn? Quentin Nelson this year says Michael. Michael, we're gonna we'll we'll uh, we'll pick that up where we leave off on Thursday. Shmuley, love listening, love having you here. Jake, thank you. Jake, thank you for the super chat, super sticker. Pokey Demons, thank you as well. John, thank you. Looking forward to the next one. And A says, which players on the roster are untradeable? Feels like a short list. Well, Daniel Jones uh, and that contract. Anybody that you signed recently to those big deals. You're not getting rid of the Dexter Lawrence, the Andrew Thomas, Daniel Jones, et cetera. Joey, yes, safe home. A cigar sometime. I love stogies. Let's do it. Thank you guys from Orchard Park. This is Pat Leonard from the Daily News, the Talking Ball Podcast, signing off. Appreciate you guys. Talk soon. <coughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.